Welcome to Multilingual Montessori, a podcast where we discuss multilingualism, multiculturalism, and raising children from a Montessori perspective. I'm Gabrielle Kutkov, an AMI Montessori guide and TESOL instructor with a master's in child studies, and I'm the founder of Multilingual Montessori. You can find me on Instagram at multilingual.montessori and at multilingualmontessori.org. Today I'm speaking with Bianca Solorsano, a Montessori guide and consultant for Baby Tour Guide. Bianca has her master's degree in Montessori education, bachelor's in child development with an emphasis in early childhood education, and her AMI Montessori training in birth through three years. She's also the mom of a one and a half year old boy. In the past, Bianca has run her own Montessori infant classroom, otherwise known as a NIDO, and has also held roles in admissions and school administration. She now supports parents and educators through her Montessori Babies podcast, her Montessori Babies course, and on her Instagram account, Baby Tour Guide. In our conversation, we talk about what Bianca loves about working with babies and their parents, and what it has been like raising her own son in their bilingual English-Spanish household. We also discuss how parents can support their babies by incorporating Montessori into their parenting, and we discuss the question Bianca is asked most often about raising Montessori babies. I'll give you a hint, it has to do with the floor bed. And best of all, Bianca is offering listeners of the podcast 30% off her Montessori babies course. Bianca created the Montessori Babies course to provide parents and caregivers with the tools to support each stage of infant and young toddler development in a Montessori way. It is a self-paced online program and it's perfect for new parents, expecting parents, and anyone interested in learning more about brain development in the infant stage and how we can best support our growing babies. Use code MULTILINGUALMONTESSORI, all one word, or head to the link in the episode description to save 30% on the Montessori Babies course today. All right, let's get into my conversation with Bianca. Hi, Bianca. Welcome to the Multilingual Montessori podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, it's so nice to speak with you again. I was a guest on your podcast, so I'm excited Mm -hmm. to have you on my podcast. Really excited to be here. (laughs) Uh, Well, to start, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you live, and about your family. Yeah. So, um, well, my name is Bianca Solorsano. (laughs) I am an AMI-trained Montessori infant teacher and coach, and I currently live in Southern California in Orange County, and I am a mom to an incredible one-year-old boy and parenting him with my husband. (laughs) Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Montessori to start. How did you first find out about Montessori and education and what drew you to Montessori? Yeah. So my introduction to Montessori is really interesting. It's kind of twofold, actually. So I didn't go to Montessori as a child. Um, I really had no idea what it was until college age. (laughs) Um, And when I started college, I initially went in thinking I wanted to study marine bio. I just have a love for the sea. 
Um, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit of a, like a, a millennial meme. Like, why did we all want to be marine biologists? <laughs> totally. It's probably all those like 90s beachy movies. Or, yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, but at the beginning of college, you know, like a classic college student, I held multiple jobs. And so I was a barista and I was also a nanny. And the little boy I was nannying attended a Montessori school. So that was kind of my first little introduction. And his family always talked about how much they adored his experience and how he was just evolving with his time there. And they would give me kind of little stories when he would come home and, you know, stuff like that. So that was kind of my first like, oh, what is this? Um, But actually around the same time, so my mom had started working in the head offices for a group of Montessori schools. She was in um, like a like a development field. So she would build the schools, you know, but um, because, you know, she was in a Montessori school, she actually came to me and said, you know, I think you might actually really like this. If you want, I can, you know, have you observe or, you know, something I can ask if that's because I was already nannying, you know, so she's like, I can ask. And I was just kind of like, yeah, that sounds really good. So I was able to set up the the observation with the head of school. Um, and I spent the entire day observing. And this particular school has infant through eighth grade. So I was able to kind of, you know, observe a variety of age levels. Um, but I distinctly remember one of my kind of core memories of that day was sitting in a toddler space and watching a little boy pull out a chair for his friend to sit down. And then they served each other snack and poured each other water and, you know, and these little toddlers seemed so joyful and settled and peaceful. And I was just in awe. And from that moment, I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of, you know, so, um, put in my application, was hired into the infant environment. That's where they had space. And um, yeah, that's where I found my passion in supporting infant development through Montessori. Um, the lead teacher in that classroom petitioned for me to get my my AMI assistance to infancy training, which I was so grateful for. And I did that. And that led me to being, you know, a lead in my own classroom. And then at that same time, I also switched my degree from um, it was marine bio to communications, then to child development, which is where it landed. So my degrees in child development, emphasis in early childhood education. Um, and because, like I said, my passion at that point was learning, you know, how I can best support their development through, you know, this lens. And um, yeah, and then I later got my my master's degree in Montessori education after teaching for many years in a post-diploma program at Loyola University. And in the last few years, I've transitioned from the school setting to supporting parents who are looking to do Montessori with their babies at home. And so now it's been almost 14 years since my introduction to Montessori. And even after, you know, everything, I just love how beautifully Montessori can support the unique developmental journey of each child. So that's definitely a big love of mine within Montessori. What can you remember from your first experiences in the infant environment? Was there anything that was surprising or that really stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, coming, having come from, you know, childcare. So I was a nanny before that. And then I'm also the oldest out of my siblings, my cousins. And so I had experience with kids, but I had never seen, you know, just the settled, included community, you know, where these, you know, tiny humans are doing things like pulling out their chair and pouring water. And, you know, so I feel like, I guess, the capability piece, right? So like, 
often we think you know, out of love, we want to do for, you know, the babies and toddlers because that's what we do, right? Like we take care of them, we love them, we support them in that way. But I think, you know, my first introductions to Montessori were how, you know, we can also love them and include them in their community piece and, you know, by something as simple as having the little child say things so they can be included. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So how many years had you worked in Montessori when you became a mom? And my follow-up question to that is, did how you think about or approach Montessori change once you became a mom? Yeah. So um, years in Montessori. So let's see, probably 12 and a half. My math is mathing right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh yeah, um, uh, over a decade at that point, having worked with babies and toddlers when I became a mom. And then I would say the main thing that changed um, as far as, you know, the the motherhood journey is the uniqueness of that relationship. You know, um, while I was in the classroom, you know, my babies were were totally like my babies. You know, that's that's how you think of them. You're with them Monday through Friday all day. And, you know, they're like your babies. And um but motherhood and, you know, my relationship with my child, it's, it's, you know, a, an entirely new experience and it's so unique and so beautiful. And, you know, there's lots of tender together moments and snuggles in the morning and stuff like that. So that's unique, I would say. Um, but the way that I, you know, work with him and support his growth, you know, through Montessori, I wouldn't say it's necessarily totally different than how I worked with the babies in my class. You know, it, the language is very intentional. You know, what I do is very intentional. My words and approach environment, you know, with my son um, is very similar to what I did with my babies in my class, just applied in the home setting. Um, and, you know, of course, at home too, you'll see like livable spaces for everyone. And so you get creative um, as far as how to meet it in that way. And then another thing I would say is that it's a little bit different in the way that um, I guess the complexities that come with the flow of the home environment. So as a parent in a family unit, you know, we're all existing and living together for 24 hours and, you know, having a, you know, a broad mission to teach baby about our family and what we do as a family and, you know, the customs and the culture and the language, you know, with our family. And so, um, for example, my husband and I love to find recipes and watch cooking videos and go to the store and get the ingredients and then and then try to make it at home. It's something we did even before we had our son. And so it's something that we've been really excited to share with him as well. And we recently started doing stuff like that, you know, and like labeling what we see and then going to the store and finding the ingredients. And so that I could say that's something that's unique, too, is just kind of getting to share those types of things um, with my son. But I'd say that the way, you know, I approach supporting his development through Montessori, you know, with, you know, the lessons and the way that I set up his room and, you know, stuff like that, the way that he can freely explore the environment. Um, I'd say that's very similar to to how I was with the babies in my class. Yeah. <laughs> and what has it been like um, in your co-parenting journey with your husband and kind of his Montessori journey? What has that been like incorporating Montessori into your home? So coming into parenthood, I did my best to, you know, prep him with just like little tidbits of info. Like when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So um, 
here's some stuff, you know, <laughs> you know, and I would just kind of give him little tips here and there, like as we were doing things and something popped into my head, I would tell him things. But of course, you know, kind of similarly to like when you take your training and then you're actually in it in the classroom, you know, going in it and then being in it in parenthood, it, it he just like, just like me, you know, it was totally new and we learned and evolved and grew together. And, you know, um, I would kind of, with him, I would share, you know, certain pieces of like what's happening in development, um, you know, as my son would grow. And then I would share little bits of info, but also kind of let him figure out some things too, you know, like, <laughs> um, I, I really, with, of course, you know, just wanted him to feel empowered, you know, on his journey as a dad. And so I also didn't want to overwhelm him with all this stuff that I was overly excited to share, you know? <laughs> so, um, it's been good though. It's been, you know, just like with any sort of new experience, it's been, you know, a constant journey of observation and seeing how we are and, you know, babies are always evolving. Humans are always evolving. So <laughs> we're just learning as we go together and using, you know, the tips that I've learned along the way, um, to support when we can. <laughs> so we mentioned at the beginning that you also have a podcast. So how did the idea for the Montessori Babies podcast come about? Yeah, so I started um, supporting parents at home because I had um, a baby in my space, um, in my classroom who unfortunately had to withdraw for health reasons. And so I, I helped them, um, in the home. And so after, you know, getting some really positive feedback as far as, you know, their experiences and their baby's experiences, I had decided, um, that, you know, it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to help parents, do that for themselves and for their babies and, you know, take whatever information resonates with them and their family and use it to support these earliest years. Also because, you know, supporting in specifically infant development um, and the importance of it, it's all very recent research because, um, you know, up until even 20 years ago, there was uh, more of a you know, just a, an idea and perspective of just, you know, kind of caring for baby until they can quote learn, you know? Um, and so what we see now, now that more and more research comes out about, you know, infant and infant development is that we have this incredible opportunity to support them in that way. And so I started um, sharing information by blogging actually um, before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic rolled around, I started listening to a lot of podcasts myself and it was like, this is a great way to get information. I love it. So I decided to start one <laughs> and it's called the Montessori Babies Podcast. And I'm just super grateful because it's grown a lot and we have an incredible community from parents around the world. You know, I, I randomly get messages from people in Asia and Europe and Africa. And it's it's been really, really fun connecting with, you know, moms who are just like us. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is your favorite thing about working with babies and toddlers? Mm, I would definitely say the magic that is their brain development at this time, you know, supporting them as they discover and reveal their capabilities. Um, as I'm sure you've seen and your listeners have seen, you have babies, you can tell there's so much learning happening so quickly from infancy through toddlerhood. 
Um, and on the science side of that, you know, they're literally making a million mental connections, otherwise known as synapses per second. And so it's literally their mission and their goal to learn about their new world, right? They start as these tiny, squishy newborns. And then all of a sudden, you know, a year later, they're walking and they're pointing and they're saying words and, you know, they're interactive. And it's just so amazing how how quickly everything happens. And um, kind of like I mentioned um, just a second ago, it's really only recent that, you know, science in the developmental field has begun to understand the full importance of these first couple years. Um, but it turns out it's really, really important <laughs> to their entire life's trajectory. And um, so, yeah, I that's my favorite part, I would say. It's just really special to be supporting them during this time in their lives. Yeah, it is really interesting how recently the field of developmental science has acknowledged and recognized that children are not just empty vessels to be filled with knowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. we Montessorians like to talk about how Montessori was ahead of the the curve and totally. really was <laughs> talking about this like a hundred years ago mm-hmm. before anybody else was, but it really is amazing kind of how recently we've come to understand how much babies enter the world with already and their mm-hmm. capabilities, you know, as soon as they're born. Absolutely. I like that you said the the capable part too, because I feel like, you know, as, as an infant teacher, that's one thing that a specific word that I use a lot, you know, when I would train new teachers or get new parents into my space, it's like, we, we view our children, uh, the babies and toddlers as capable, right? So we're going to be including them when they want to be, you know, as developmentally appropriate, of course, but I just love how, you know, empowered and connected the Montessori approach can be. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about languages. Tell me about what languages you grew up hearing spoken around you as a child and a young adult. Yeah, so I grew up in a bilingual household. Uh, My dad spoke Spanish and my mom spoke English. And my dad is actually trilingual, so Spanish, English, and French. Um, Mostly Spanish was spoken at home with some French sprinkled in there when we were little. (laughs) Um, and as I got older, um, kind of like an angsty young teen and that social adolescence piece kicked in, I re- regrettably started responding to my dad in English. And um, he, so then, you know, at one point he just started responding to me in English. And I remember at one point he sat me down, though, and was like, you're going to regret it. You know, <laughs> you're going to regret one day not continuing to practice your Spanish, you know, Um And once I reached young adulthood and started traveling and, you know, um, my, my husband's family speaks Spanish and I, he was right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so now I, I can speak Spanish, um, you know, when I'm immersed in it and such, because I have the foundation, it, it comes out, you know, I don't have to think about it as much anymore, but he was right. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't you tell me that your dad was a linguist or a professor? Yeah. So he was a professor of linguistics um, at, well, he taught both English and French and then also linguistics and something like linguistics history or I don't know, something along those lines um, at USC and Cal State Fullerton. And um, he, yeah, he had his reading and writing a lot and, (laughs) you know, because language is his thing. And so, 
you know, like kind of um, like over the summer, he he didn't necessarily have us do summer school or anything, but we were reading every day and he would have us do little book reports on it and, huh. you know, in English and Spanish and <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, that's so, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then did you ever uh, study Spanish in a formal context, like high school or college? Yeah. So, I mean, I took Spanish um, uh, where I went to school. Spanish was part of the curriculum in elementary school. And also in high school, um, we had the option to take um, Spanish or French. And I, I chose Spanish just to kind of, I, at the time, my thought process was it would be easy, <laughs> but, but of course, you know, the language, just like with English, like the language side of it is, you know, you're learning about the intricacies of, you know, reading and writing and all of that. So I wouldn't necessarily call it easy, but, <laughs> um, but yes, I took it formally, um, through 12th grade. And then actually in college, I ended up taking Italian because I thought that, you know, it was another Latin language. And I thought maybe I could, you know, flow into it, which again, it it, it wasn't necessarily easy, I would say, but it was really fun to learn. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. How's your Italian these days? <laughs> I could probably count to 10. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can understand a little bit. I think that um, I had a friend back in the day who was from Naples. And so we would try to have uh, Spanish-Italian conversations. And it it was actually not too bad. Like it wasn't too far, you know, it wasn't too difficult. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So nowadays, what does bilingualism look like in your family and in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah. So, um, my dad will speak to me in Spanish again. <laughs> um, and my husband, actually his family speaks Spanish, like I mentioned before. So we are raising him bilingual. Um, and I would say that he speaks majority Spanish. I speak majority English, but I also will, you know, read books in Spanish, sing in Spanish. Um, I also will talk to the end of the sentence and like sometimes just speak in Spanish, depending on what's happening. Like sometimes for needs with with needs, like um, if we're going to eat or if it's time to sleep, stuff like that, I'll say in Spanish. Um, but my husband speaks 100 percent Spanish and we immerse ourselves in a lot of different music and books and stuff like that too as well. And yeah, so he's getting both. <laughs> oh, that's great. Was that um, something that you thought about before your son was born or did it kind of just happen naturally? You know, I would say both. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to share the language with him um, even before I knew he was going to be. I knew I wanted my kids one day if I, you know, went down that path Um I wanted them to to have Spanish because, you know, people in my family speak Spanish. And then just I ended up marrying someone who they literally when, you know, when they have dinner, they're speaking Spanish, you know. So um, it's only natural for my son. I want him to be able to go in and effortlessly converse, you know, and kind of have that also because I have a travel bug and maybe he will, too. And so it's a really, really good tool to have <laughs> to be able to speak multiple languages when you go places yeah. and you know, so it's only been a benefit for me. So yeah, I love being able to share that. <laughs> That's great. I know your son is still very young, but have you noticed anything interesting about his language development in both languages yet? Like what he responds to or what he understands, or has he started saying words in either languages? 
Yeah. So both, I mean, his, his receptive language in, um, both is very, very good. Um, my, cause like I said, my husband's speaking Spanish to him, um, in the house. And so, you know, when he's, he says something like, you know, um, like go, you know, can you help me throw this away or it's time to go brush your teeth or, you know, stuff like that. Um, he does it. And, um, same, you know, with me in English and then, um, also with, um, some words he's saying, like he prefers to say water in Spanish. So he'll, he'll say agua or he'll come over and say, um, you know, abre or like if he wants something open or, you know, so he's, he's kind of, he'll choose, I guess, which language he wants <laughs> to speak in, but it seems like he's, um, responding in, in both. So going back to babies and toddlers and Montessori, what do you think is the biggest challenge for parents interested in raising their babies and toddlers with a Montessori approach? Um, I would say probably filtering through what you actually need, um, because there's a lot of info um, out there, you know, on social media about what's needed, um, which is a lot of times how parents will find Montessori or get their inspiration. And I would just say really the most important thing that you need is the information and the approach, because oftentimes you can use what you have. Um, you can just take the approach and, and be purposeful in the way that you set up your space and, you know, and um, support baby's development through Montessori, you know, likely with what you have in your home. And maybe you'll be tweaking your environment setup a little bit, reorganizing toys, you know, making baby's room a safe space so they can freely explore it, you know, stuff like that. But essentially to support your baby's development through Montessori, you just kind of need that that foundational info to start, um, the how to do it and why, do, why we do it, you know, um, that's the piece that's going to fuel it, right? That's the piece that's going to bring those aha moments and um, the connected moments and the, you know, where you'll see those bits of Montessori magic. Um, and then, of course, if it's in your budget, there's a lot of really beautiful toys and furniture pieces, too. Uh, but I just want to reassure your listeners, of course, that spending a lot of money isn't essential to take the Montessori approach. Um, and then one thing I learned in my own experience, having a background in Montessori and child development, is that knowing the basics of development, too, just just the basics, but it, it really helps and supporting each stage um, through Montessori because, you know, they go from, like I had mentioned earlier, the non-mobile squishy newborns to these running, jumping, talking toddlers in such a short amount of time. And so when you have that info, you can easily infuse the pedagogy, the Montessori pedagogy to support each stage. And that's really all you need to get started. And then all of the rest of it, you know, can can happen with your, your family, your budget and your lifestyle. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is one of the most common questions that people ask you about Montessori babies? Mm, I mean, a lot of people start with wanting to set up their nursery. So I get the floor bed question a lot um, because in Montessori for babies, um, one thing that you'll often see is that baby sleeps on a floor bed. So when they're a newborn, newborn, they sleep in the bassinet, of course. Um, and then 
whenever parent is comfortable, they can transition to a really low mattress on the floor. We make everything safe around. And so I often get DMs from parents on Instagram, um, often listeners of my podcast too, um, asking that question about the Montessori floor bed. And um, yeah, it just, you know, when I recommend starting, which can be anywhere from, you know, five, four, five, six months up to whenever you feel comfortable. If you have a crib that you want to do in between, you know, kind of like I said, the thing is, is that you can, you can use these principles and infuse them into your home in a way that makes sense for you and for your family and for your lifestyle. Also, because, you know, your baby feels your energy too. So if you're nervous or you're not quite ready for it, then they will be too. So just, you know, I would say that's probably the top question I get is about the floor bed, but also things like fostering independence and what that looks like at this age. Um, what's another question we get a lot? Um, as they get closer to, you know, certain like behaviors and stuff like that will start. And so I'll have parents kind of like reaching out about the monastery approach to like redirection, stuff like that. But I'd say that that general um, theme is is what um, we talk about the most. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tell me a little more about the floor bed and what, um, what you advise parents. I, so my training is in three to six. So I know, you know, I know about the floor bed from a theoretical point of view and mm-hmm. I can talk to the, re- I can speak to the reasons why we want to offer a floor bed, but I don't have any personal experience you know, helping families transition to a floor bed. So what are um, the reasons behind it? And what are some steps that parents might take in preparing their child for a floor bed? Yeah. So the idea with the Montessori floor bed is that it honors a couple different things. One, the freedom of movement. So as baby learns to move, um, actually, let me rewind for a second. When you have baby in a crib, oftentimes, you know, they wait for you to come into the room to let them out to play or to then, you know, move on to the next thing, go change their diaper, go eat breakfast, that kind of thing. Um, The idea with the Montessori bedroom is that it's a totally safe environment that baby can freely explore with or without you directly in the space because everything's safe. And so with the floor bed, when they, you know, wake up from you know, their nap or from their nighttime sleep, they can crawl off on their own or get off as they, you know, start to walk and stuff and go and explore everything that's around them. And so you'll see that even as they start to just slither, even before they're crawling, they'll slither right on off their bed, right over to their little shelf or wherever they have some toys and start to explore. And so it honors that inner will to learn that they, that they're born with, right? So they're born with this incredible innate inner will to just learn about everything that's around them. So we're letting them do that by setting up the safe space and giving them a way to just kind of get off when they're when they're awake and when they're ready to explore. And then on the flip side of that, when they're ready to go to sleep, I've often seen it that they become conscious about their sleepiness and their sleep cues very early. And then they also get really empowered because they get to be very involved in the process. So um, I, I experienced that in the classroom a lot where you know, their beds would stay in the same space um, from the time they started in my classroom to the time that they graduated out into the toddler class, their bed would be in the same spot. And so, you know, from non-mobile to walking young toddler, they would have the same bed. And so they would be really involved 
in the routine of going to sleep. You know, they liked that they knew where to go and they knew where to lay down and they knew what was going to happen. And, you know, we would sing, I would sing them a song or like rub their back or pat them to help them go to sleep. Um, and then with my son, it's the same thing. You know, he likes to go and walk over and he'll jump on his bed and get all ready. And, you know, and so it's just kind of getting it. It's another way to get them involved, um, uh, which is incredibly empowering and kind of honors that idea that the child is a capable, you know, tiny human. <laughs> So um, you touched on this a little bit already, but do you have any more advice that you'd like to share for parents who are interested in incorporating Montessori into their home and daily routine, especially with young babies or toddlers? Yeah. So uh, one of my main tips would be to start just with something as simple as your mentality, because oftentimes, you know, we have an idea of what baby is capable of. And sometimes when we kind of address and adjust our approach, we really get to experience what our babies can do. We can kind of like lift that ceiling. And then there's a monastery idea of the child having endless potentialities. And when we do that, then we can really see these really, really beautiful, beautiful moments. So starting with the mentality that our babies are capable members of the family in the home is really helpful. Um, including them as much as possible as developmentally appropriate is an amazing way to support their development through Montessori. Um, so for example, I have a mom who recently took, I have a, a workshop on fostering independence and I have a mom who recently took that and her child is six months and just started solids. And she hands him a little rag at the end of his solid feedings and kind of modeled how to wipe it. And um, then he started doing it too. And she sent me a video and was all excited. And and it's just this like, you know, this connected, empowered little moment where, you know, you get to tell them, oh, thank you so much for helping me wipe that up, you know, you know, just stuff like that where, you know, we're just including them as much as possible um, as developmentally appropriate, of course. But um, a lot of times when I help parents get started with Montessori, they end up removing a lot of the toys and stuff in the environment to allow for a more kind of settled exploration and experience. Um, because when we do offer less, we allow the child to really focus on concentrate on what's there. And so that's another thing is I would say maybe removing some stuff if you find a like a big cluttered kind of mess situation, having out just a few things that you maybe rotate is really, really helpful for seeing those settled, um, concentrated, connected experiences that we aim for in Montessori as well. So yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. So my last question for you is about the Montessori Babies course, because I am sharing a 30% off code for all listeners, which (laughs) I mentioned in the intro and I'll mention again in the conclusion, but Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the Montessori Babies course and what parents will get out of that. Yeah. So the Montessori Babies course is my manifesto of all things (laughs) that you need to do Montessori in the home from infancy to toddlerhood. And it is, it starts by, you know, offering all the foundational pieces that you need. So everything Montessori for infants, 
And baby development piece is what makes it unique is I, cause kind of like I mentioned, I also have a background in development. So I give you a lot of little tips too, as far as what's happening in development and then how to support it through Montessori. And then it's literally broken down on how to do Montessori, how to set up their environment, what materials to offer, when to offer it um, for the non-mobile baby, the sitting Southern crawling cruising baby, and then young walking toddlers. So you have everything broken down, how to do it, when to do it. And you also get um, access to a really lovely global Facebook group of Montessori Mamas. And they're just so, so wonderful. I'm so grateful to have this community because everyone's just been so lovely and supporting each other. And yeah, so I am excited for anyone who would love to join. (laughs) Amazing. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to mention while you're here? I know we touched on a lot of topics, but anything else about Montessori babies or toddlers? Um, Just that, you know, kind of like you mentioned when you came on my show, um, because, you know, your podcast is so important as far as language goes. Um, I am an advocate for, you know, language and and the potentialities of infancy and toddlerhood for language development. And so, you know, just offering as much language as possible, using that beautiful full language, you know, offering all the music and all of that is really, really wonderful and supporting them in that way. So (laughs) I'd say that's it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Bianca. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you again to Bianca for joining me today on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation all about Montessori with babies. You can get 30% off Bianca's Montessori babies course with code multilingual Montessori or head to the link in the episode description. You can find Bianca on her website at babytourguide.com and on Instagram at babytourguide. You can find me on Instagram at multilingual.montessori and on my website at multilingualmontessori.org. You can find links to everything in the episode description. Make sure you're subscribed to the Multilingual Montessori podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on whatever app you're listening through. It helps more people find the show, and I really do read every single one. Another wonderful way to support the podcast is to share it with someone who you think would enjoy it as well. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.